0: for freedom every day. They're learning at a young age. They're being taught the socialists control, the ones that are blaming Republicans for being Nazis, or being fascists, the ones that are promoting some type of cancel culture, the ones that are promoting some type of agenda of uh, shadow banning. Realize at a young age that, hey, sure, you can have your freedom of speech, but we can block your funding. This is the Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. What up? Welcome into it. It's hour number two of The Voice Reason. Your weekend edition is officially here recapping the shenanigans, the malarkey, the craziness of the world, which is what we try to do here each and every weekend for you. Welcome into it. Broadcasting out of the heart of the nation here in Wichita, Kansas at our Hoosier Media Network studios. You can always find us, and I never plugged this enough, so you can always find us on our social media at Hoosier Reason. It's all the same on all the handles, all the social media at Hoosier Reason, H-O-O-S-E-R no I in Hoosier, H-O-O-S-E-R, reason, on the social media, the Facebook, the Tweety. I still call it Twitter. I don't know about this whole X thing, but X, Twitter, whatever you want to call it, plus Twitch.com and YouTube and Instagram and TikTok. Yes, we do have a TikTok. Also, our uh, Rumble channel. I don't do much with it, but we do have a Rumble channel. And then, of course, uh, your, uh, what is it, the the um, Freedom Truth Social that Donald Trump has and whatever other social media that there is. Also, you can find the podcast anywhere on your favorite podcasting site called The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Go and find it there. And, of course, all of our great, amazing radio stations with many more of them jumping on relatively soon. Coming up this hour, we have Rebecca Terrell. She is a real journalist, investigative journalist with The New American, thenewamerican.com, where, you know, you spend the time to do the investigations, you actually come up with facts, and then you present the facts in an article on what you found. It's hard to do sometimes, I know, but we'll have her on at the bottom of the hour. We sit down with her earlier as she has a her latest piece on China. Sorry, we got to do it in the Donald Trump style, China. And we uh, the investigations that, of the ties with China with bio labs that are here in the United States as they were working for a gain of function and trying to continue the spread of the COVID-19 virus across the nation. So we'll do that here coming up at the bottom of the hour. Speaking of journalism... I guess that really settled what direction we were going to go to. We were talking off the air a little bit before the program on where do I want to go at this hour? There's so much news and so much to talk about. It's sometimes difficult to figure out which direction we want to go. But again, I have a question for you to ponder here. To you, what is journalism? What does journalism actually mean? Because there are... I think different opinions on where journalism is compared to where it should be in today's times. There are very, very few actual journalists in the world today. My definition of journalism, no, I did not go to journalist school. I went to a broadcasting school. I went to college for politics. I wanted to become an opinionated political commentator. I am not a journalist. I'm not a news reporter. I'm not one that tries to... Uh, to, to give you the news, the first one in the hard-hitting news So oh, We don't do that. We read the news and we talk about why it's stupid. That's, that's essentially what we do in this program, hopefully in a semi-entertaining way for you to enjoy it and stay tuned in. A journalist should be the one that actually just gives out information, gives out like a headline. Do you remember back in the day, and I don't because I was not born at that time, do you remember back in the day when we had like the Telegram? Do remember that stuff? There was no opinion in there. There was no sob story. There was no leading up with an emotion or some type of storytelling. It was so-and-so said this. This is the date that it happened. This is what they said. Period. End of story. To me, that's a journalist. That's what they do. That is the role of a journalist is for you to say, hey, Andy Hoosier said the sky is yellow. Period. Not he unfactually said it. He said it uh, incorrectly. The fact-checkers have corrected Andy Hoosier. None of that. The very simple headline, Andy Hoosier says the sky is yellow. Period. End of story. And it's up to the consumer who's reading that news to look at that and say, wow, Andy Hoosier's full of you-know-what, because guess what? He said the sky's yellow. I can obviously look upside, look up, and see that the sky is blue. It is not yellow, which I don't like using those two colors because that makes the colors of the Michigan Wolverines. And coming from a guy who originally rose from Ohio, I have a very difficult time doing that, so we'll have to change the colors in this story. Then you take it to another level. Outside of journalism, then there is investigative journalists, like Rebecca Terrell that we'll talk to at the bottom of the hour where the investigative journalists are the ones that do the deep dive. All right, Andy Hoosier said the sky's yellow. Let's do a research piece on him. Let's investigate on why he thinks the sky is yellow. And let's figure out why he's saying what he's saying, and then we release that piece. Again, not to correct him, not to tell him he's wrong or to fact-check him, but to strictly say, Andy Hoosier says the sky is yellow because under his world, he had lenses on that Democrats forced onto him and stapled to his face when he was young at a young age. And those colors blended with the blue that was in the sky and it turned it yellow. So from his perspective, he saw that it was yellow, period, end of story. That's what investigative journalism does. We get very little of either of those today. You ever read a news story that's in The New York Times? It's on MSNBC. It's on CNN. It's on even on Fox News. You see these stories? It starts off with a personal story where someone's distraught from an emotion. And someone, it's they're, they're living their happy-go-lucky life. So-and-so is living their life of luxury before something dramatic happened. And then they try to get into the story. We don't need all that fluff. I miss the days of the AP Wire. And the Associated Press used to be a decent news source for journalism where it was strictly, this is what's going on. It's like a 30-second read. This is what's happening. This is what's going on. This is the situation, period, end of story. You take it from there because then you as the consumer has the opportunity to look at it and do your own fact checking based on your reality, based on your perception of the world, based on what's going on in your realm. You get to decide, well, that person's full of crap or, you know what, that kind of makes kinda a little bit of sense. I'm going to ponder this one for a while. I bring this up because earlier this week I received a letter from Michigan State University. And because I'm in media, I'm an operations manager, program director, and obviously a talk show host. I don't think they know everything that I do within media, but I received a letter because Michigan State University is hosting a survey on the concept of journalism, on what journalism's supposed to be. And they sent it to me at the radio station that I work at in Wichita, Kansas, and they saw me as the operations manager. So I filled it out. And yes, I know it's difficult for others in the media, but I'm able to differentiate here. So I took off the political commentator, political talk show host hat, and I put on the program director operations manager hat of running a radio station or a cluster of radio stations. And I put that lens on as I filled out this survey because I did not want the biasness of a commentator who is not a journalist to be filling this out. But I really wanted to fill it out from the idea of someone who runs a news talk radio show and runs an entire station. In fact, runs a news talk and a sports talk and a country station and a Spanish station and then another news talk and another sports talk and a country station Spanish station and another news talk. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah, all oh, those under my purview. It's a very busy week. Nonetheless, I put that hat on as I looked through the lens to answer these questions. And it was about a 20-minute survey, not too bad. But some of the questions I had to read on here for you, and I don't know if I'm supposed to do this or not, but I'm going to, and we'll keep it anonymous. And my answers apparently to them were anonymous. But this is the mindset of journalism today. And maybe they're trying to understand why there's so much bias in the news today or why there's a a perceived vision or view from the consumer of so much bias in the media. But these are some of the questions that they asked in this survey to talk about journalism. Now, remember, journalists giving headlines, investigative journalists doing a little bit more research, no commentary, no fact-checking. No correcting, none whatsoever. That, to me, is journalism. And here's some of the questions where you had to fill out based on extremely important to you in your journalism daily lives to not important to you at all. As they ran down a few different topics. Number one, promoting in your journalistic piece, promoting peace and tolerance in your news article. How important is that to you? Extremely important to not important at all. Convey a positive image of a political leader. Providing analysts of current affairs. I'm sorry, providing an analysis of current affairs. Provide information people need to... uh, to, uh, Let me read that again. Provide information people need to form political opinion. Support national development. Supporting government policy. Setting a political agenda. Again, these are all... How important are they to you as you are a journalist writing a journalistic piece of media, of news, for the consumer to read? Setting a political agenda. Let people express their views. Provide the kind of news that attracts the largest audience. Manipulation of the media just for you to get attention and try to get those click that clickbait. Be a detached observer. To me, that was a very important. You're supposed to be that detached observer. Provide entertainment and relaxation. Yeah, I mean, that was kind of bleeding into my talk show host. I want you to be relaxed and entertained by this program. Maybe learn a little bit something if possible. Provide advice, orientation, and direction to daily life. That's just one page. But I want to go through a few of these. Because 90% of these are something that journalists who are supposed to find facts, find information, and give out should not be doing. Promoting peace and tolerance. No, you have no reason to be promoting anything. Convey a positive image of a political leader. (laughs) Well, that didn't happen with Trump. It's surely happening with Biden right now. Provide analysis of current affairs. No, you're not supposed to be analyzing. You go to the expert. As the journalist, you bring in the expert to analyze. And again, you're a political. You're the one that steps back. You're the detached observer. Very interesting, Mr. Expert. What about this Mr. Expert over here? Oh, very interesting. Two different opposing views. Very interesting. I'm not going to get, you may have an opinion, but I'm not supposed to have an opinion. I'm supposed to be the detached observer. Let you give your side, let you give your side. And guess what? You consumer, you get to decide on what you agree with. Supporting a national development or supporting government policy. In fact, that's supposed to be the opposite of what journalism does because they're supposed to hold elected officials from either side of the aisle accountable by challenging them by trying to squeeze out the information, by trying to make sure that they're not hiding anything from us, by trying to dig deeper and see what they're doing behind those closed doors with the cigar smoke-filled room. That's the goal of journalism. Here's some more for you. On, again, the level of extremely important to non-important at all. Speak on the behalf of the marginalized. Excuse me? Again, as a journalist, are you supposed to be speaking for anyone? Tell stories that emotionally move the audience. No, stop it. Stop with the damn stories. So-and-so is having a wonderful day before the IRS raided upon their Mar-a-Lago house. Wait a second, what? Educate the audience. Yeah, with the facts, with nothing else. Advocate for social change. No, not as a journalist. Influence public opinion. No, not as a journalist. Again, the journalist says, period, Andy Hoosier said the sky was yellow. They do not fact check it. They do not question it. They don't do anything with it. They say, Andy Hoosier reports, the sky is yellow. Period. End of story. And you get to this. Obviously, that's not true. We know that's not true. And if you heard that, you would be like, oh, media, that's a crap story. Why are you reporting that? That's a bunch of fake news. Because that's their job, is to just say, Andy Hoosier said. And then it's up to us to say, well, okay, thank you for letting me know what Andy Hoosier said. It's truthfully factual that Andy Hoosier said it, therefore that's why they're reporting it. But then anything beyond that would be opinion or altering the public opinion on a certain issue. And it's up to you to decide. These are the surveys that they're talking about with journalism when it bothers me because that shouldn't even be a consideration in journalism at all. That shouldn't even be part of the situation. It should be common sense for us to not be involved in any of that at all. And the fact that we even have to do a survey or a research study on what journalism looks like today and those are the questions being asked really shows the level of integrity that journalism has in societies today. And that is a bit concerning to me because that shouldn't be reports, period, end of story. Let the commentary, let the fact checking, let all the other information happen. On shows like this, where we read it and then we put it into context and explain why someone said something and whether it's right or wrong. And then let the consumer make their opinion. It's the voice of reason with Andy Hoosier. Fighting for freedom every day. This is the Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Yes, indeed it is. Welcome back into the program. Does that make sense? Conversation about journalism, being able to decipher between journalism and non-journalism. Again, I am not a journalist, and therefore the whole let's put things into perspective, let's talk about it, let's fact check it, let's consider. That's the duty of the experts and the commentators like myself. I am not a journalist. But I think I did a good job. Hopefully I did a good job being able to decipher that journalistic uh, survey. Again, taking off the political commentary hat, putting on the hat of a program director, someone who runs radio stations, and someone who does do news as well. I am a news reporter for the local news station right now, uh, as that is uh, right now a duty that falls under my purview without someone being there to do it. So I do that one throughout the day as well on our local radio station in Wichita, Kansas. So I'm a very busy guy, but I see it from the news side. I see it from the operational and programming and and uh, uh, boss side, I guess, from the higher up. And then I see it from the uh, news talk side. And I wanted to do a proper survey there. But the fact that we're asking questions like that is, to me, the, the proof positive that journalism is on the wayside that journalism is dying because we have to define what journalism actually is today and we don't see it a whole lot that leads and opens up the conversation as well about freedom of speech and the freedom of speech in the public place now what is the public space in today's age public space today really means social media doesn't it i mean i don't know how many people actually get on a, a literal soapbox nowadays in the middle of town, stand up and start hooting and hollering and yelling, although that would be quite entertaining to watch because that's the old-school way of actually doing it. But that's not really done in that way any longer. The The public space to hold a public forum or have a conversation nowadays is really social media, which leads into the concept of what journalism versus fact-checking versus freedom of speech actually is on social media. As you know, a lot of people, including myself and different programs, different shows have been shadow banned. We've been put into the algorithms where we don't get recognized. We have been just blocked off completely. Our accounts have been shut down or threatened to be shut down. And it's been an ongoing battle for years, which is why we see conservative social media sites popping up like Getter and Truth Social and our Freedom Book and some of the other ones. Uh, I, I don't know how many more I have here. Hold on. I have Let's see, the Facebook and the Twitter and the YouTube, TikTok, Instagram, Getter, Truth Social, LinkedIn, and I guess that's about it, at least on my phone, but we have some others (laughs) as well. Again, you can find all of them at Who's Your Reason. Uh, The investigations on social media have been a fun one to watch because social media has been that hybrid of all of them trying to take advantage of that situation to limit the public input and to take advantage of the federal government. We no longer have that divide between government, public option, and private business. We no longer have capitalism, but we have the corrupted crony capitalism where corporations use the government for their benefit, not just by the consumer making the best decisions for them themselves, uh, which was perfect example with Facebook, for example, and Twitter, having government officials emailing and contacting them, telling them, hey, you know what, this information isn't, quote, factual. We're going to be our own fact checkers and therefore go ahead and silence these certain accounts. Wait a second. I thought this was a public space. I thought we could say anything that we wanted to under freedom of speech. And by freedom of speech, I mean that we have the freedom to express our views against the government and what's going on in society without the government interacting and telling us that that's not okay because there's a, confusion on what freedom of speech actually is as well because freedom of speech does not mean that you can say whatever you want to in the workplace and in the workplace firing you because it doesn't go against their it goes against their standards that's not a violation of freedom of speech freedom of speech is the violation of you being able to say something against the government or the government narrative and they cannot come after you and persecute you for that and that's kind of what we saw on social media we're going to shadow ban you block you because of the proven records, Elon Musk thankfully released a lot of those when he took over Twitter, was some of the conversations the Biden administration and um, the Obama administration had had with those social media sites telling you, uh-uh, you don't want that content, block them. They kind of acted as the public square, but yet wanting to be protected as the quote-unquote journalists while at the same time acting like fact-checkers. And you can't blend all three of those on at the same time by having a crony capitalist private company silence you this is because the government the told Voice them to. This is The Voice of
1: Reason with Andy Hoosier.
0: When reason meets radio, this is The Voice of Reason. With Andy Hoosier. Yes, indeed it is. Welcome back into it. It is the voice reason on the home stretch here. Man, it flies right on by as always. And we always appreciate you hanging out with us like usual. Don't want to waste any time. Speaking of journalism, we sat down just a day or so ago with Rebecca Terrell with The New American, com, an actual journalist, an investigative journalist, looking at China, looking at biolabs and biolabs that are happening right here in the United States, especially out in California. If you remember the news that we've seen over this past week of The officer that saw a hole in a wall and looked in and saw rats, saw the bio lab, saw it in really bad condition and what it's doing as they're working on gain of function with the connection of China, trying to continue to spread of that COVID-19 virus. This was Rebecca Terrell with the New American right here on The Voice of Reason. (laughs) Let's try that again. Let's do that one. Rebecca, how are you today?
1: Doing great, Andy. It's nice to talk with you again.
0: Oh, it's so good to chat with you. I love talking to you every time. Uh, I know that you've been working on a piece, focusing on uh, COVID as we still try and do the 2020 hindsight investigation to see what the heck happened during the pandemic, and the latest news that we've heard of, of some bio labs coming out of California uh, in some really bad conditions, but apparently they're not just running solo. They have a lot of connections. What's going on right now?
1: There are quite a few connections, very interesting connections, and I think it's, too, it's interesting, too, that it took the California Code Enforcement uh uncovering this they saw some type of a garden hose going through a hole in the outside wall of the building they said hmm that that doesn't seem up to code so they investigated it and uh the long story short there uh this is a chinese run bio lab in california unlicensed um one of its executives told investigators that the hundreds of lab mice that were within the building were being genetically engineered to catch and carry and spread the COVID virus,
0: wow. uh,
1: coronavirus. So, um, and there, there's just so much more. There, there were just rooms full of refrigerators that some of them were working, some of them weren't, and they had, they contained biological samples. Bodily fluids, uh, samples of pathogens. The CDC was actually involved in this uh, investigation and tested all of these things and confirmed that there were things like HIV there, and E. coli, and hepatitis, and herpes, and all sorts of dangerous pathogens. And all of the the executives involved with this uh, bio lab all have connections. Are all executives of a supplier of this lab, a pharmaceutical supplier over in China. Wow. So isn't this interesting? And and House Speaker Kevin McCarthy, this, is, this lab is actually in his home district out in California. He was out there uh, last week or about a week ago or so and announcing that, oh, he's going to shine a congressional spotlight on this. And he voiced concern then, could this be just the tip of the iceberg? Could there be a lot of these? I think it might be a little bit naive to assume that this is a one-off,
0: don't you? I would think so. And it sounds like it's totally on the up and up with how how wonderful all the amenities were there with even refrigerators that don't work. So... Let's go back to the basics yeah. here with the COVID-19 pandemic. We were told by the great Dr. Anthony Fauci, who didn't align with science, but was science. Remember, if we contradicted Fauci, yeah. we contradicted science. So he, well, he told us that.
1: That's right. Yeah, he he is science.
0: And he told us right. that we essentially had a COVID-19 pandemic that started with essentially an Ozzy Osbourne situation with people biting into bats. And that's how we saw a global pandemic that was the COVID-19 <laughs> pandemic. It had nothing to do. With bio labs, we definitely didn't have any connection to bio labs. Nothing was again. These aren't the Droid you're looking okay. for. That was the situation that we were told. It sounds like now sure. it wasn't just the one in Wuhan uh, Wuhan lab, but there's labs even in the U.S. where they were working to try and spread this stuff all over the place.
1: Well, you know what I want to point out too, and this is kind of shining the light on on ourselves. Uh, you remember when Russia invaded Ukraine, and all of a sudden, Victoria Newland, uh, who is you know, one of the oh, I can't remember her title right now, but you know who I'm talking about. She uh, has given a lot of congressional testimony. She started expressing uh, she's an agent of the of the government and the U.S. government. And she started expressing grave concern over the Russians getting a hold of some of our bio lab materials over there. Oh, no, no, no. They're not bio weapons labs. They're just we, we just uh, we conduct that research over there in Ukraine to detect and prevent pandemics. That was the official line. But she was very, very concerned. And it came out later that, well, some of those bio labs contain specimens from the old Cold War days, the old Soviet Union days. Yeah. Really? <laughs> so, you know, to, to assume that this, to, to close our eyes to the fact that this doesn't go on and we're not involved in it, too, um, is ridiculous. Right. Is, and uh, yeah. we know I, I've outlined you know, I've written about the story on at the new and I, I tried to go through and just go, just this year, look at all the Chinese espionage that we've seen. In January, it started with the ridiculous spy balloon. What a fiasco with, of that. It's we continue to just ignore it.
0: We ignore China and let them do whatever the heck they want to. I mean, we lie about our connection to a Wuhan lab or any type of bio lab in China or apparently ones that are being run here In the United States, we lie about balloons where, oh, we don't know what, we'll just let it go across the nation, do its job, then we'll shoot it down, then we'll give it back to them when they ask for it, because why the heck not, but we'll shoot down some kid's drone that's floating up above the sky with a fighter jet, because that makes all the sense in the world. It seems like we're lying nonstop. I mean, it reminds me of Fauci again when he was testifying, saying we weren't doing any type of gain of function. But yeah, Rebecca, I seem right. to remember right now, if we're teaching mice how to spread this all around by implementing the COVID uh, virus into mice, that would be gain-of-function, figuring out how to get it from animal to human, isn't it?
1: Well, that was that would be what you and I would call gain-of-function. I, I'm not <laughs> sure what he rationalizes that, that term to mean in his mind. I've never actually spoken with him, but uh, no, you're exactly right. And two, we have to consider the congressional investigations, James Comer's investigations into our own White House occupants links to China right now. And how does all of that factor in? But it hasn't just started with the Bidens. Think about it. It was Richard Nixon back in in 1972, the first U.S. president to ever go and meet with Mao Zedong, the Chinese who had taken over China and murdered so many countless numbers of his own countrymen. Um, In that, Communists take over of that nation, and yet Richard Nixon goes over there, smiling, all happy in front of the cameras, shaking his hand, making nice, and more, gains most favored nation trading status. And now we're in a situation where China practically owns the United States. I mean, there—how much farmland? We know. We know it has come out recently, back in February, when there was that city council in North Dakota, yeah. and there was there was a um, an expose that a Chinese-linked agricultural product had was getting set up right next to a U.S. military drone base. And the city council, good for them, put the skids on it. And we need to understand, too, our our county sheriffs, our city councils are empowered to put up a stone wall against all of these federal mandates that are coming out that are completely, that violate the Constitution. Um, They not only have that responsibility and duty, they have that power to stop federal mandates from affecting the constituents within their jurisdiction. Every single county sheriff has that power. All of our city and county, county commissions have that power. Um, and so they did. They stopped that. But it highlighted the fact that more than 380,000 acres of American land already belong to Chinese investor control. Yeah. Aside from all of the things that also are controlled by China, even if they aren't owned by China, take the case in point, the port of Los Angeles, the most busy port in our country. And it isn't it is owned by the city of Los Angeles, but is controlled by a Chinese Communist Party operated company called Costco it is long term lease agreements that leave China in control of the Los Angeles port. Same goes for the both both ends of the Panama Canal, which, of course, our own President Jimmy Carter handed over. We had we owned that and we handed that over to Panama, which has in turn handed control effectively of, of it to the Chinese Communist Party.
0: That is very concerning. So
1: we we it is. It's very concerning. It's very this is we're not in a in a happy place right
0: now no not <laughs> at all not,
1: and we haven't even talked about national debt right
0: yeah that's a whole other issue that needs to be a priority for us as well we're talking with Re- Re- Rebecca Terrell author and writer for the new american thenewamerican.com go and check out the website with all her writings why why is this just coming to light now why are we all of a sudden focusing on this and many republicans being like oh this we need to do this like you said limiting the purchasing land from foreign entities like china and other places this has been going on for a while. Did we just not pay attention to it? Did we just not care? Or is it a political stunt of all of a sudden now, this is a major crisis and we need to address this?
1: I don't think a lot of people, are, I don't think major media is shining very much of a real light on this, except the one-off stories here and there that are here today, gone tomorrow. But I do think, and I'm not glad that COVID happened, don't get me wrong, but I do think that there is a silver lining to that very dark cloud that it did wake, wake people up. And it's starting to give people slightly longer memories, you know, of saying, wait a minute, what's been going on here? And all of these people, like those of us at The New American, who they before would accuse of being, oh, they're just conspiratorial theorists. uh, They are now going, wait a minute. I I think some of those conspiracy theories were actually true. (laughs) And so, um, you know, in in that respect, more people are waking up. The question is, is it too late? Right now, it is not too late because we do still have our constitution. Now, it is for the most part ignored by many of our uh, elected officials, certainly many um, bureaucratic uh, officials, but the fact, like I said, I'll, I'll just go back to and, re, and emphasize, we must have constitutional sheriffs across the land. If we do, our country is safe and we still do have that constitution. By the way, Mark McClure, Convention of State. They're trying to call a constitutional convention to pitch our constitution and put a new one in. We know that. They just had a they just had a mock constitutional convention in Williamsburg a couple of weekends ago. So, you know, this is real. The there, Voice there of correct? Reason with Andy Hoosier. for freedom every day. The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier.
0: that there will be some type of way to limit voter turnout for the next election. A way to, now they used to talk about voter suppression and remember Democrats used to always blame Republicans for the voter suppression. Oh, you don't have enough voting places in inner cities and there's really long lines and people can't get there on that day. So therefore we need three months of early voting to make sure that everybody can possibly vote maybe once or twice at least to make sure that their votes counted the official way, the way that we want them to do so. Uh, that's not really a conversation any longer. And for years, Democrats have always been asking about the way that the elections were done and always saying that there was voter fraud and voter suppression to try and stop Democrats from getting their voice out. Now that's changed to saying that Republicans, even if you try to question any election at all, then, well, you're just a conspiracy theorist and a nut job. But speaking of COVID, I know that that put a hindrance on some of the election then. Could it again? Moving forward, I know most people don't care about COVID-19 any longer. Let's just be honest. We just don't care about it much. But at the same time, the new headlines from Politico.com show that there is a new COVID strain of EG.5 variant. nicknamed Eris is the new coronavirus strain that is fast spreading and does not appear to have too many issues. However, has led to a slight uptick in hospitalizations across the nation. Now, we are one year away from the election. I'm thinking that by then it would be over. And even if it's not, I really don't see that being a major concern for Republicans, let's say primarily, turning out to Election Day to make their voice heard. What it may do, however, if they continue this, because now apparently we have this awareness of every virus that's out there, and I want to put this into perspective for you. If you outstretch your hands right now, just outstretch your hands and make yourself your own personal bubble, there are multi-trillions of number of bacteria and viruses that you're breathing in within that singular personal bubble, as we speak right now. Your own personal, what they call the biodome, and I'm not a medical expert, so don't quote me on any of this, but the medical biodome that you have, your biologics, your own biology, is aware of this, breathes it in constantly, and has built up that immunity to it, which is why at the very beginning of the COVID-19 pandemic, everybody was all about herd immunity. And if you remember, herd immunity just kind of disappeared after a while. They forgot all about it. Dr. Fauci, who is science, forgot all about that whole herd immunity. No, 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 no. You need to wear the mask and still get the vaccine or else you're spreading it and you're killing people everywhere else. And that was the message that changed pretty dramatically because at first he was all about the herd immunity as well. We need to get the vaccine so we can build up the tolerance, build up the immunity, and then be able to battle this. Now that that's all forgotten and out the door, this new EG.5 variant of the COVID-19 virus is the new one putting people in hospitals. I so far haven't heard about death rates going up or anything, but it's only the beginning because my concern is as we go into an election next year, it will open up the door for people to feel very scared. And I use this an air quotes for our radio listeners, very scared, very triggered, very emotionally distraught, high anxiety. I have fear of being around a large crowd at a polling, at a polling place. So therefore... We need to widen, again, need to widen out that early voting process across the nation. That way we can submit our mail-in ballots. We can do more drop boxes. We can have more opportunities. Let's just do it for an entire year because we don't have enough time to remember to register to vote and make our voice heard in the timely manner. It's all beginning. And right now, that EG.5 variant could be the next devastating one that kills humanity. Unless, of course, you go and get your fifth booster. It could also be just the money scheme from the pharmaceuticals because they're seeing a decrease in people going and getting that vaccine for COVID because, well, (laughs) we don't need it anymore. Thanks. We're good, though. We're good. We appreciate that. That does it for us today. Podcast going up in just a little bit. So everybody enjoy their weekend. We're back at it again next weekend. So much more to talk about. So much more to do as we recap another week of shenanigans coming out of Washington, D.C. Until then, be your own voice of reason. It's time for you to speak up, speak out, speak loud, speak proud, speak the truth, and always speak some reason. This is the voice of reason. I'm Andy Hoosier. We'll see you on the radio.